0: welcome to the audio only version of this week's pop-up submission show i hope you enjoy it we love you to join us for the live show on youtube every sunday at 5 p.m uk time youtube.com slash litopia it's time to have a look at five more submissions today what we got we've got ya historical fantasy we've got more children's um we've got crime looking forward to that um we've got children's picture book i don't know what the pictures are but definitely got the the words and we've got science fiction isn't that fabulous what's even more fabulous is brian clegg he's the man for whom the word brainiac was coined popular science writer and broadcaster and very popular guest on the show and we've posted from the BBC uh, their losses pop-ups gain. The voice that launched a thousand bestsellers. Well, at least one or two. It's Kate Salisbury.
1: Litopians, report to the genius room right now. Genius.litopia.com.
0: And that is the fourth and most important, really, ingredient of what's going on here in pop-up submissions. This is your first time watching pop-up submissions. You will be baffled and bamboozled, but stick with us. Uh, it should be fun. Publishing and writing is a part of the entertainment business, after all. It's the first of the month. Pinch punch. And that means that the slate is completely cleared. We don't have any cumulative winners so far. The, the winner of this show, actually, of course, logically, will be this month's winner so far and in 30 days time we'll find out if they continue to be this month's winner and if they do then something rather wonderful will happen to them with over 100 worldwide number one bestsellers head of zeus is a formidable british-based publishing powerhouse independent publisher of the year digital business of the year The awards and tributes keep rolling in. Now, Pop-Up Submissions has partnered with Head of Zeus to find tomorrow's best-selling authors. Each month's Pop-Up winner will be fast-tracked straight to them for their expert consideration. We know, writing is never easy. But now, Pop-Up Submissions makes it easier for you and your work to find a great publishing home. Yeah, we're all very excited about that. Actually looking forward to to seeing what that produces. It's really a genuinely new route to publication. And in this day and age, that's exactly what you want uh, if you're an author, of course. Let's have a look at our very first submission. Here we go. Number one. All the Queen's Monsters... It's YA historical fantasy. Hello, look, John's with us. Isn't that great? And it's from John D. I don't think that's the magic mirror guy from the, uh, what, 17th century? No, I'm sure it's not. Although we do encourage submissions from beyond the grave, if you feel like that. Let me read you John's blurb. Murdering a manticore in a Southerkin. That's a hell of a way to start, isn't it? Murdering a manticore in a Southerkin should have been the end of the hunt. But this monster did not escape the royal menagerie. It was someone's pet. Now, Mistress Lettice Wild, it's a name to conjure with, is duty-bound to hunt the owner and reveal a plot to terrorize her city on the eve of the Spanish invasion. I didn't totally understand that, but it sounds exciting. Literate, angry and mute. Let us negotiate the London of 1588, a place full of vain heroes and hot-headed youths where violence is only a rapier away and the baiting pits hide the true monsters. That's good stuff, isn't it? Rousing stuff, I'd say. Let me tell you about John haunting london says john uh, since the 60s i'll be 1960s or possibly 1560s i don't know <laughs> uh, the city has always been under my skin loving hating and living in the places i write about despite now living outside singapore in the 17 months of lockdown I don't know how you feel it's the eternally multicultural city that always draws me back and it's the place i call home between the city and the forest what a political way of putting it having taught literature in girls schools for decades working with elective mute students oh, that's something i've never come across before working with elective mute students how interesting i'd love to know more about that uh, much of my inspiration comes from the place and the people all right so you want um i don't know a manly manticore
2: i don't know what manticore is
0: (laughs) no doubt i'll find out in due course from this wonderful reading from our very own
2: jeff all the queen's monsters by john read by jeff all the queen's monsters the latest one wild bestry london spring 1588 with commentary by dr chris imby latest pronounced latest not the salad latest leaf a reasonably common name from the time, but now unpopular because no one wants to be called a salad, be it a lettuce or a cucumber for that matter. I, in which monstrous face, and empathy is shared, and a hero is named. Beaumont may damn me all he wants. I will not move for him, nor any man, and they lack the wit to make me. I said, swipe to your way, lad. This be my lord's job. I won't be telling you more. One of his many ready gentlemen repeated, hoping to stir me with his angry words alone. It is all performance for them, and the last thing they desire is for their hero to share the stage with me. Aye, they were brave things indeed to holler from afar while a church maid stared this monster down, not that they knew me as such. One day, God willing, I will put their eyes with the truth, but that were not today nor any day soon. Today I played the man again for all, because a man is what they expect to see in the hunt, and amen to that. So I crouched low, resting level with a beast stare, not big and intimidating like a hero is wont to be, no blaster from me, no grand movements. My left hand steadied my stance in that sodden inyard dirt literally clutching at straws, while my right hand felt casually to my side creeping back to where my daggers are sheathed at the waist of my doublet, well out of the beast's eyeline. All I wanted to hear was her breathing, steady, soft and slow, calm to the rhythm of mine own. I inhaled a scent strangely reminiscent of cinnamon buns afresh from the oven. To Swive. to have sexual intercourse with. This was before our F-bomb became our standard lazy curse. All noise were just distant tempests to me now, while I remained enwrapped within the heart of it. Somewhere a woman may have screamed. Another surely swore about Steeth to swive to have such intercourse with. This is before F one became a standard lazy curse. Says or slips three or some such at me. They called me whoresome. Knave. More. All the names their sorry brains could concoct save those that were true to my nature. It matters not. From behind me, Lord Bermond's whiffler four resumed blasting his lungs out announcing his master's imminent arrival, the saviour of Princess Thingamy of the Indus, brave slayer of the great encyclopedias of the Japans, hero of the and so on and so forth. If the man could trumpet a monster down, like the walls of Jericho, he would damn well give it a jolly good blow. London is full of her drakes and her hawkins, this bowmont fellow being just another syncopat for the Queen's favour. Hoping to impress with some derring do or other. But this was not his business. It was I who tracked the manacle all across the fetid confines of London Bridge and right into the stews of Southwark. I was the one duty bound to murder her now, not her fame seeking gallant. 3. Cursing. This was a time when profanity literally took parts of God before her own words related to bodily parts and sex. God's teeth, eyes, etc. were invoked. Brought with them the concept of literally taking God apart 4. Wiffler A servant paid to announce a rich man's presence So the crowds can make the way for him Like a walking talking billboard 5. Cyclopedias This may be a completely fictional name Possibly a variation of Cyclops Although it may equally be an encyclopedia If Beaumont slayed the books
0: hmm. Alright so um before we get into there's a lot to get into here actually let's just have a look at uh, what the genius room are doing and uh, obviously way beyond the limits of my own knowledge i don't know what a manticore is they do of course cause that's why they call them genius room uh allen says it's basically a sphinx a manticore lex says manticore is a lion-like creature with the head of a humanoid usually a man often wings a scorpion-like tail and which makes sounds like a silver flute wow not that amazing Wow. Um, Brian, first unusual question for you, I think. Um, what did you think about the
3: footnotes? I didn't like them, I'm afraid. Um, hmm. one of the, I, I read a lot of, jo- of science fiction. One of the joys of science fiction is you introduce new things and the reader isn't quite sure what's going on and they pick it up as they go along. And they've got to, you know, absorb it, get into it. And that, the footnotes for me actually took you away from the the flow. Um, yeah. I also felt actually one or two of them were just a little bit too twee, almost. The the it just didn't work for me. I'm afraid the footnotes.
0: Yeah, I was I was wondering about that. But then we got this this note in the chat room um, from at least one one member of the chat room who really does like the footnotes. So I guess they probably polarise people. I I agree with you about that. Um, Let's just, while we're talking about footnotes, because there is a lot to get into here, Kate, what did you think?
4: About footnotes and specifically, um, it depends on how they're employed. I mean, I think the the footnotes I like best in creative writing in... Mm. Well, fiction and non-fiction actually are the humorous ones <laughs> Terry Pratchett was a great employer of footnotes yeah. um, usually for comedic effect and they worked very well for comedic effect um, if you've read Adam Kay's memoir um this is going to hurt. He uses footnotes in that, and partly for information where he's explaining what sort of certain medical terms mean, but also for humor. Um, and that's fine. But you, I think you have to be careful how you use them because too many of them, like Brian says, pull you out of the text. And if you're at this crucial early stage in a novel when you're trying to get into the world, you're trying to get to grips with the protagonist, with the voice, and all the rest of it, I think you really don't need things at that point to keep pulling you out of the moment.
0: Yeah. So, Brian and Kate, can I ask you please to place your votes now? You've got to click that little vote button before it actually gets transmitted through to us. Oh, um, I did click it.
4: That's interesting. Obviously, did you? it didn't work. That's, so, oh, yeah. yeah. Was, Let me just. Okay. Re- yep. it's
0: working. Working really nicely now. You like obviously. Oh, uh, you like, did, yeah, way. you like the title a lot. Uh, you like the title a lot, Kate, don't you? You given that. Sorry. Yeah, I, I
4: thought it. the title's great.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, Brian's got
3: it. Thanks. Okay,
4: let's just see. Sorry, just <laughs> being a bit slow.
0: <laughs> all right, probably being a bit slow. Let's just see if we can. Yeah, the tech is being a little bit odd today. Um, all right, general general reaction then, please. Um, what about this sort of the slightly faux medieval style? How do we feel about that?
4: If it's being aimed at YA, I think you need to be very careful because. I suspect younger readers in particular are going to have less patience for things that they have to grapple with to understand and I think that's also the drawback I actually felt it was it's very deftly done and I thought it was great fun bringing in this kind of lexis um, these kind of words but it did have that effect of pulling you out of the text again uh, that was the drawback of it and it made be really concentrated to, to understand what was going on yeah. so the effect was as the, the pastiche kind of effect was impressive but in terms of hooking in a reader I'm not sure it worked in particular if you're going for YA
3: yeah, Brian. Yeah, I, I I don't mind that too much, but I, I do agree with uh, a comment that came up, frankly. It didn't really feel very YA to me, frankly. Mm. Uh, it didn't quite have that approach. Uh, I also think there's too much description up front. It was just telling us, tell, tell, tell. Uh, you know, we never got on to showing anything in, yeah. in the entire section we saw. It was yeah. all tell. Yeah. Uh, and I just feel, particularly with YA, you want to get in there. You want to engage yeah that's earlier. the main
0: thing really it doesn't it doesn't quite feel ya but i've got to say i i thought there's a great sense of a- atmosphere um and uh, some action as well and we got on with the action no uh, or am i wrong saying that what do you think
4: it had lots to like about it actually I mean there was a definite voice there wasn't it and you were getting a sense of the protagonist as a character Um, but it was was it like Clarissa you know that really long and rather rambly novel that is, no no Tristram Shandy, that was what I was thinking Tristram Shandy, yeah Yeah. Yeah. sort of long and and rambling kind of novel that sort of plays with the form and all the rest of it and again written you know a few hundred years ago um, but again, is that a commercial proposition nowadays? Mm, not I sure. Wonder, I agree I with, wonder, with Brian what the yeah. people have said. Y a e. Actually, I think there's a lot. I think there's a lot you could do with this. I think there's there's well, think some there fun is. ideas there, and yeah. there's a sense of fun. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think yeah. it just it needs some editing. It, it needs some editing for clarity. Hmm. Um, we perhaps need to dial back. The the lexis and the unfamiliar words and so forth a bit more. At least to start with, introduce them more gradually, as Brian was saying. When you like you do with concepts in a science fiction novel, so yeah. that people can get to grips, with it get to understand it. Then again, I mean, you know, if, if you think about things like *A Clockwork Orange*, where there's all this unfamiliar uh, lexus or, or even *Train Spotting*, if you're not a sort of broad kind of you know, neither of those are exactly
0: why either, are they? Isn't it, it?
4: <laughs> no, exactly. Well, that's the thing, and that's what I was saying about maybe this audience. That's a tricky audience to kind
3: of dish this out to but it doesn't mean it's not going to work for all audiences of course yeah yeah oh. okay go on brian i, I think the concept had promise. i actually preferred the blurb to the actual text um and the only thing about the blurb that slightly irritated me was where it, it described the uh, protagonist as literate angry and mute and the literate part just felt odd to describe somebody as literate angry yeah, um, it's, it's a lot to go your head around it, in a sense. It, it seemed odd in a, uh, in a blurb. But that, yeah. that interested me more than when we actually got into the writing. Uh, and I think the writing needs to be kind of pulled up to the blurb to get, give it a bit more energy, frankly, okay. uh, earlier on. Particularly if I... it is intended to be YA.
0: I think I think it's really good attack here, actually, John. I'm talking to you directly now, John. I think it's really good attack here. Uh, I mean, you you seem wedded to the footnotes, and uh, I, one or two people do seem to like the footnotes. Uh, yeah, they they do in in the genius room. I can't I can't gainsay that. But I think what they do, especially to begin with, is you know you're trying so hard to suck the reader in to get the reader in, and then suddenly you're saying no, wait stop reading now and read that and maybe it can work but it's making it harder for you it's much making much you know you're setting the bar even higher than it than it normally is for a writer I, I've said I like the atmosphere. I think there's real atmosphere here. You know this place inside out, and it shows. It's coming through really well. Um, there's, there's, a, there's an urgency to the writing that I like as well. I think we you know we are getting in there. There's real attack. For me, the biggest problem at the moment would be the what I called earlier the faux medieval style and this is always a very difficult thing for a writer, because, you know, you want to create um, you know, you want to be, you have a degree of very similitude to, to, to the period you're talking about. Obviously they're not going to be speaking contemporary English but by the same token, you've got to communicate with the reader. So I think I think there's a very, very fine balance there, and my feeling for what it's worth, there are lots of ways to to, to address this problem, to answer it, my feeling for what it's worth is let, let that be expressed in dialogue that goes on between our protagonists and third parties but as far as the internal stuff is concerned the stuff that's you know that's going back to the reader basically drop it basically talk talk to the reader in their language you might be interested i don't know if kate's come across this because she does a lot of uh, library work as well the young children you might be interested in somebody who does write about this period quite a lot uh, very well actually kevin crossley holland you come across him at all Kevin Crossley Holland does that, I think, exceedingly well. Actually, so um, if you're not familiar with him, dig up some of his books and mm-hmm. just see just see some of the tricks he he, he comes up with. Um, I'd also some, say
3: Hil- Hilary Mantel, though, as well. I mean, yeah. similar period. You do not get that feel of I'm stuck in stuck yeah. in sort of weirdness language, yeah. as it were. Absolutely. Even though it is feels very good for the period. Definitely.
0: Uh, great advice, though. So you've got a very creditable 57. And uh, guess what, John? You're in the lead so far. Well, so <laughs> far, at least. Let's dash straight on to our second submission of the day. It's children's. We've gone down a bit in age. It's from Jane, Jane Kack. It's called The Timekeepers. This is Jane's blurb. What if you had to find three keys which will turn down the temperature of the Earth's magma and stop global warming. What if you had to stop the Shadow Lord from getting hold of them? An adventure story like a computer game. A story of teenagers who feel marginalised and alone. Most of all, it's about friendship. Let me tell everyone, everyone about you, James. Sure moment in the sun cringe i can feel you cringing Uh, i completed the two-year diploma in creative writing at oxford university in 2015. in 2016 i was one of five writers shortlisted for the daily mail first novel competition congratulations um lots of uh, competition for that so you did extremely well to do that my short story the girl in the doorway was published as part of the rubri book short story award and my short story the glass kitchen won the 2018 mogford prize in march 2019 my short story the talisman won the oxfordshire libraries competition i write original children's stories for the educational publishers black cat a branch of dear garcini under the name jane elizabeth kemmack my titles include Bathsheba the Witch, The Last Unicorn, The Extraordinary Miss Sunshine, which, by no coincidence at all, is actually who we've got to read this today, otherwise known as Barbara Rickenbacker.
5: The Timekeepers by Jane Cammack, read by Barbara. One afternoon in late July, I came close to dying. Like Alice and the white rabbit, I'd fallen down a hole. I couldn't breathe. Felt the air sucked from my body and my skin grow cold. Alone with my shadow. I should have known. When a warm wind blows from the east, trouble is on its way. Once I'd said it, I couldn't unsay it. I wanted to reach out, grab the words back and stuff them in my mouth. No chance. Why don't you take your own notes in class, Lola? Lola's eyes darkened. Then she hurled herself at me, grabbing my hair, smashing my head against the wall. When the screaming started, I recognised the tone. It was the sound of my own voice. And though my heart was thumping in my throat, my mind was clear. Kicking Lola in the shins, I pushed myself free and ran. I spent the weekend in a fog of panic. Fear made my eyeballs hot. No one stood up to those girls and lived. You're an idiot, I kept muttering to myself. For months I'd given them my notes, but I was sick of it. Stupid to worry over something trivial, when there was a guy sleeping in the park. I saw him on my way home from school, settling down for the night, stuffing balls of newspapers into his coat. It bothered me. I wonder what had happened in his life. Maybe when he was young, someone had snatched his copybook and hung him on the coat hooks. Secondary school was a tense place to hang out, Change, like a wave had washed over everyone in year eight schoolwork was the easy bit friendships was a different bag of worms even the nice kids were getting nasty and being one of the gifted and talented was like having a lump of dynamite strapped to my back i was the stick out in class weirdo the nerd the geek still there was really only one rule to follow don't upset lola monday morning and there was the usual stink of bleach in the corridor my plan was to hide until the second bell i was early but they were waiting madeline moron a crusher group of girls moved forward pinning me to the wall then lola's face shifted closer we don't like creepy little ginger nuts like you look at me when i'm talking to you weirdo i looked at her sandra tell her where she's going. Sandra's heavy mascara came close. She jangled a key. I stared. The mascara eye stared back. Lola smirked. The broom cupboard. That's where you're going. Creep! I groaned. Darkness and small places. My worst nightmare. And before they could grab my arms, I curled my fist and swung, hitting Lola's spongy nose. A bark of surprise ended in a shriek. Blood smeared her pointy teeth and dripped onto her shoes. Her gormless mates ran for the teacher. This isn't like you, the head teacher was flicking her pen between her fingers, waiting for me to speak. I wanted to tell her what Lola and her gang did to kids, but then I'd be a snitch. Things would slide up a notch and I knew what they were capable of, so I kept my lips pressed tight. What did Lola say to make you hit her? Silence. If you don't tell me what's going on, I can't help. She pulled the heavy-framed glasses from her face and leaned forward. It was a disagreement. About? About? Oh, something and nothing. Tell me. My eyes moved to the window, framing the trees in the background. It reminded me of a painting, Claude Monet, An Orchard in Spring. My eyes swung from the window to the head teacher. It was, oh, just a disagreement over the precise date William Shakespeare was born. The head teacher shook her head. You're a clever girl, and everyone can make a mistake. Remember, Madeline, that you are in charge of you. The important thing is, to move on from here, you must apologise to Lola. Dang, I thought.
0: So the genius of is saying, generally good reaction, actually, I think. Johnny says, big capital Z, this is good. SM was a brilliant reading. Of course it's brilliant, SM. It's Barbara. What do you, what do you of course it's brilliant. Um one or two yeah like the opening says hannah like the miss mascara eyes excellent for the target market says johnny i like this a lot says ancora uh, i've been drawn into the story and the character already excellent for the target market really visual and reminds me of school says sm Worsley. i'm oh, sorry about that oh dear <laughs> what did you what did you think kate
4: yeah i i like the premise um i thought that was a good idea um so let's start with the blurb um i thought mm. the blurb nicely set out um the main obstacle the main goal if you like but what we yeah. didn't get was a, a sense of the protagonist the main character and I, in fact, i've been noticing this a lot in blurbs that come to pop-up submissions when i watch pop-up submissions mm. people often don't mention the protagonist and i actually think it's really important that you mm. do um um so that's that's the thing missing from the blurb i would say uh, yeah. but, I, but i quite like the use of the sort of rhetorical questions and and it certainly was very clear about these are the two problems that need to be solved so that that's pretty good um the title i think you're gonna have to change that because it's a marvel thing <laughs> the timekeepers. do you know first Fine. of all i thought what a, what a great title and i thought sounds familiar what a I, great music it. it and it's yeah. marvel <laughs> it's marvel sorry bummer because it is a good title but someone got their first I have to rethink that which okay. is why i gave a low um figure for the title because right. although it's good you, you do need to google your title when you thought about Definitely. it just to check no one's already yeah. got it yeah, um absolutely. Uh, But in general, I thought it it had the right feeling for upper middle grade to me. Um, The the language was about right. It it was hitting the target demographic quite nicely. Um, The opening sort of paragraph, like a mini prologue, I I quite liked but felt it needed to be rejigged a bit because the Alice in Wonderland um, and then the Warm Wind a joanne harris book that's all about winds kind of blowing trouble in and stuff and yeah, i was getting like yeah. lewis carroll and joanne harris vibes but i think you could use that i mean you know you could start with something like the day i nearly died yeah. i should have realized because a warm wind was coming in and they always bring trouble you know you could yeah. kind of do it something like that but anyway but it but i thought the idea was nice, and i thought finally what what i would say is just just the, the thing that slightly bothered me about this was that it was like watching the highlights of a a football game or some other sports game because there's like a lot of disconnected dramatic moments but but i actually felt that they needed to be connected together and possibly Mm. one way of doing that would be starting in a slightly different place so Mm. don't start and then go and then the weekend came and i hung around and worried about it for a bit and then you know in a way i would start with being threatened with the cupboard Hmm. and then maybe you could go to the teacher or maybe not but it sort of felt like we're watching the highlights real but there needs to be a little bit more joining it up so i can get uh, a, a better sense of of um of immersion i think in it but actually i, I thought there's a, a lot to like about this very promising good.
0: excellent fantastic that's good to know brian
3: yeah uh, i liked it to too i think i agreed with some people um in the chat room or whatever that um <laughs> it felt to me like young, young adult rather than, I think of children as being younger, you know, like an eight year old's book. Uh, And it didn't feel like that. Uh, I mean, it said year eight, which I think is borderline young adult these days. People always read a book two years older than they actually are kind of thing. Um, But I I did like, I like the premise, um, uh, I I like the blurb. Um, I think the only thing I felt was that opening to me could have been any school story. It had no connection. Mm to Mm. the actual main themes. And I Mm. would have liked just some hint of the main Mm. themes coming in so that it kind of draws me in and and I'm looking forward. So I'm not just focused on the now and this little bit of school story bit. I want to see some hint of the future. All right, there's the nearly died, but something that's connected to the main themes, if possible, coming in relatively
0: early. It is a set piece, actually, the opening. It's a bit of a trope. You know, it's not exactly original. We have been there before, but it's, it's done very well. Mm. Um, yep. Jane does it really well, and we're with her. And, you know, I mean, Barbara, who actually narrated it, says, I really like this. I like the narrator, that's the protagonist. Uh, good portrayal of emotions. So it's always interesting to hear, you know, how the person who reads it feels about it, because they get, get right inside it. Um, what about the, ba- the bigger idea? Still with you, Brian, because you're our science maven. So, what if you had to find three keys which will turn down the temperature of the Earth's magma and stop global warming what do you think about that
3: well i mean uh, i don't think we're really talking about science here I, I, this feels more like fantasy as a concept than science frankly uh, so i'm not too worried about that is actually. there a difference but, but it did uh, yes oh okay <laughs> damon knight claimed there wasn't any difference between science fiction and science and fantasy but there is a difference okay, um good. just and, checking uh, so i wouldn't worry too much about that but you know i they're big ideas the ones that you, you you want something chunky to get your your teeth into and you're feeling there's something big going to happen which is good
0: yeah good all right um i think it's really well done i'm not I'm not wildly keen, Jane, really, on on the big idea, to be honest, commercially. Um, I just, you know, I always try to imagine myself picking the phone up, speaking to publishers, saying, I've got this amazing new idea by Jane Kamek, and it's, and it just, I don't know, it just falls a little bit flat. I need something just that little bit more original. But um, hey, you're in the lead, Jane. You got 64. That's very decent. So, you know, nothing to complain about, really. When you join our weekly huddle, certain things happen. No, not that. Bring your writing, your book titles, your blurbs, anything really, for expert and sympathetic input. In confidence. Other websites charge a fortune for this kind of thing. In Litopia, the oldest community for writers on the net is included in your modest subscription. Litopia, we're here for you. Yeah, we are. And it's great fun, actually. Uh, if you haven't experienced a huddle, I can't tell you anything about it. Because the whole idea of huddles is they are completely... It's like joining the mafia, basically. It's a murder. But they're great. I can tell you they're great. And everyone thinks they're great, too. Submission number three today. And this is crime. Oh yes. It's from Alan. And it's called The Corner Game. And this is Alan's blurb. Some of it's lies some of it's the truth. The language is what it is. How I spells it is how it sounds. What the mark wants is not what he gets in the corner game, a game of mirrors, a game of greed. That's how Maury Stone described his skill to me and Mike. It didn't matter who he worked his corner game on, the rich, the famous, criminals, priests, it didn't matter. He even conned Mike and me. And we never saw it coming. Until the end, when the Cray Twins came knocking. just for those non-UK viewers, we've got lots of them, Um, and indeed for young uh, British uh, viewers, absolutely infamous gangsters, basically. That's who the Crays were. Let me tell you about Alan. Um, I'm a retired English teacher and journalist from New Zealand. Total respect and admiration for uh, all our our Kiwis. A very hard, hard hard-working, serious bunch of writers, actually, in New Zealand. I've travelled extensively and have written and published newspaper features, flash fiction, poems, short stories, tramping books... I want to know what that is. What's a tramping book? I haven't come across that. That's a new genre. And one-act plays. I worked in London as a freelance journalist. Um, You've written books about walks, um, published plays. I've represented New Zealand Theatre in the International IATA Festival held in Yokohama, Japan, with my environment play, Cries from the People, 1992. Vengeance is Mine Alone is my first novel. All right, so keeping it very real indeed, which I think is only fitting to the theme, this is a reading from Kay.
1: The Corner Game by Alan Williamson, read by Kay. Prologue. Some of it is lies, some of it is truth. The language is what it is. How I spells it is how it sounds. What the mark wants is not what he gets in the corner game. A game of mirrors. A game of greed. That's how Maury Stone described his skill to me and Mike. It didn't matter who he worked his corner game on. The rich, the famous, criminals, priests. It didn't matter. He even conned Mike and me and we never saw it coming until the end when the Cray Twins came knocking. Chapter 1 Mike and Harry. In the beginning, me and Mike met up at City Lit, a hub for those that yearn to learn creativity. The smog stained grey facade of this venerable learning establishment was situated just off Covent Garden. It had opened its doors initially offering treatment for the deaf and the stutterers after the First World War. Eventually, they allowed in the artistically hopeless, hopeful, and occasionally talented writers and artists of all sorts of genres and I used the word genre loosely. It was one month before Christmas 1975 when I entered those austere walls with a desire to write and consequently met Mike. He was a handsome bugger, blonde with grey-blue eyes and on first look you'd take him as German, but when he opened his mouth it was pure cockney. Me, I'm Harry, a scruffy kiwi with a raggedy beard and a mid-Atlantic, nondescript accent influenced by numerous theatre roles in basement theatres down under. Such is life. Anyway, it was a poetry workshop set up with about 20 of us battling the word, the rhythm and the five senses. The tutor, a well-known middle-aged poetic soul dressed in jeans and trying to look hip Carnaby Street, set the class a simple task. We were to work in pairs to create in only five minutes a loosely styled short poem titled Tree. I guess it was a test of our latent artistic ability, the raw end of creativity. I was seated next to Mike and a rather artistic looking blonde was on his other side. She turned to him but he smiled and said I'm with him. The him was me, which surprised me. Mike could have had any woman in the room. I'm Mike, he said with a grin. Mike Morris. Harry James, I said, and we shook hands. Tree, he said. I drew a tree in the page. Bugger. Bit like first day at school, I said. He leant over and added a star on top. Our poem read, The tree was rotten, doomed to die. We chopped the bugger and didn't cry. Talk about pathos. The tutor wasn't impressed when we read it out, though we got a few sniggers from some of the gathered students. Indeed. The tutor smirked in his schoolmaster's voice. The art of poetry attracts such a varied level of competence. Afterward, we headed for the nearest pub and had a few laughs over a pint or two. It seems we both liked writing funny stuff. You're an Aussie, eh? Mike queried. Nah, I said I'm true blue Kiwi, Mike. Wonder they didn't call you Bruce. Aren't all Kiwis called Bruce? We cracked a few jokes about sheep and the rivalry between Aussies, Kiwis and moaning Brits. Aussies get the convicts, Kiwis get the sheep, Mike countered. And that entrance generated a round of sheep jokes. A week later at City Lit, I asked Mike what he did for a crust. He said he was a scaffolder working in some bank tower in the city. I told him I was writing for a travel publisher. He thought that sounded great and I told him it was a shit job. I'd rather be doing something like that than dangling off some high-rise tower, Harry he said. Later in the pub, Mike hauled out a notebook from his back pocket. What do you think of this, Harry? He handed me the notebook. It was dialogue, the start of a comedy play. I'd told him earlier that I'd written theatre scripts and that's why I came to London, the so-called theatre capital of the world, to make my fame and fortune, so to speak.
0: You're on City Lit, eh? City Lit, quite an institution. I did, I have not want to do courses there, actually. I did an anatomy course there, would you believe? Just for the hell of it. Um, so, general reaction? Not bad. Uh, people are a bit confused about your your blurb and your prologue. Yeah, but which is exactly the same, as far as I can see. Uh-huh. So well, I'm not sure about that. One of them possibly is a bit redundant. Uh, Johnny says, I quite like this. Something about it. I'm sensing a bit of Graham Greene here. I'm sensing a bit of Brighton Rock. What do you think,
3: Brian? Uh, well, I and as far as the blurb went unfortunately i really had no idea what was going on um you know in terms of it gave me no the point of a blurb is i should look at that and say is this a book i want to buy right and that gave me no clue as to whether this was a book i wanted to buy or not right. i actually really liked the opening to start with so when he when he brought us into the city lit bit uh, i i was actually really in it hmm. but then i felt I was just kind of my interest was kind of going down uh-uh. in the second half of it, and I kind yeah. of lost that a little bit. And um, the the other thing I'd say, it felt to me like it just needed a little bit of editing in terms of the copy editing. There were too many buggers um, and too many old alternatives to said. Oh, so we had queries Yeah, many there buggers? were Too many buggers.
0: Too many buggers. How many buggers <laughs> yep. is enough? How, how many is too many? well three was too many <laughs> okay th- three buggers too many a useful little rule of writing there thank you brian very useful i never knew that
3: <laughs> no it's uh, you know all part of the craft <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah,
0: great yeah, tip yeah. tip from the top there uh what did you think Kay?
4: Uh, I really like the voice, actually. Um, I thought it was a good voice there, and um, I, I was getting a sense of the two main characters. I thought that was uh, that was being nicely done. Yeah. I agree with Brian. Actually, my main feeling was that it just needed some editing. It needed to sort of cut out some of the stuff. Um, and, and like Brian, um, I, once they got to the pub, especially, uh, my interest started going down. I felt like that conversation could have been summed up quite quickly and, hop, and could hop, hop through that. <laughs> um uh but yeah it was enjoyable there's there there sort of had an authentic believable quality to it um the craze obviously there's a new zealander that knows who they are but yes yeah, i think you've got to be on. a little yeah. bit careful about that the blurb no they're yeah, dead i, I mean I you
0: can say what you want now i think i don't think you'll be <laughs> that careful have you <laughs> really I don't ooh, know. Ooh, just
4: me. understanding <laughs> the illusion i'm just getting the illusion oh, but okay. um yeah, yeah, but uh, the prologue I liked actually because it was a very short prologue, and I liked the fact that it went straight in yeah. using dialogue. There was, I had, had a good feeling about it actually. Yeah. I know you're not a fan of prologues, but I actually no. felt that one, and because it didn't go on too long either. So well, basically, I think people who use
0: one. prologues ought to be
4: kneecapped,
0: <laughs> <laughs> with, with a few exceptions, obviously. Ooh, um, so Johnny says, well, I'm just getting getting the vibe here, the cray vibe. Uh, Johnny says, how many buggers does it take to change a light bulb? On <laughs> bugger, if I know! Oh, very good! Oh, boom, boom! S. M. Um, bugger is one of my favourite words, and I agree that it was overused. Lex says, "What does a rather artistic-looking blonde look like? Is she wearing a beret while dual-wielding a paintbrush and a sculpting knife? Very likely. Yes, very possibly." Uh, Hannah says, "Feels like a, a memoir more than a crime novel. Doesn't really match the blurb," says Annie. But I'm enjoying all the same. And Eva says, I enjoy the writing, goes into significant details. Okay, so well, let's just look at your scores in some detail here, Brian. I'm going to analyse your scores now. You've 60, 40, 40. So you like the title.
3: That's your favourite yeah. bit there. My media response to the title was, uh, but actually, when I put that alongside the blurb, the one bit I did get for the blurb is that kind of feeling, you know, of a con and that kind of thing. Yeah, fact, oh, yeah as it, it fits with the idea of a con. Yeah. But I'd like that to have come through stronger in, in in the blurb. So, yeah, yeah I, I think that's I, I right. did actually come around to the title.
0: Um, Good. Yeah. Excellent. And uh, let's just have a look at. Kate, 60, 60, 80. You really wow. like the writing here, Kate.
4: I just thought it had a, a good voice. I definitely needed mm, editing. It does. But I think yeah. voice is something that's, that's really hard to get. And this- Absolutely this had something about it which yeah i think people in the genius room picked up on that as well it, it did, had actually. something about it that drew you in and and if you can't quite put your finger on what that something about it is it's usually voice i think
0: yeah i think that's absolutely right yeah okay so we're well over halfway now so let's <gasps> that scared me <laughs> let's see how we're doing uh with three submissions down two to go and uh the uh this is our overall scorecard and you can see that in terms of title the favourite from everybody at the moment is actually yeah john Dee, all the queen's monsters we like that a lot but in terms of blurbcraft and bang which is a commercial appeal of course then it's actually you jane you are leading the pack so far but who knows who knows i think we should uh, speak to to brian and see what's going on in brian's world at the moment uh brian what's going on in your world at the moment
3: uh well not surprisingly quite a bit of science um oh really
6: <laughs> uh, that's great yeah to hear yeah. It. yeah uh
3: so uh book i had out rather unfortunately pretty well dead on with the uh lockdown uh called what do you think you are is yeah. now out in paperback fantastic um, And yeah. i'm really enth- lo- enthusiastic about that book it's basically about what makes you person you are the individual you are whether it's the atoms in your body whether it's your personality your genes whatever so looking at all different aspects yeah of what the, makes you so are you, we
0: uh, yeah it's I, I, a very interesting blurb um uh, your memories your flesh your bone your dna all that stuff. you explore all of that which is uh, absolutely it's also it um it involves reproducing crayfish which has got to be irresistible um but i want to
3: ask you are we just the single for these, sex Crayfish,
0: incidentally. I would say nothing to gainsay that. because uh, I don't know a crayfish. But <laughs> they're clones. <are> they really? <laughs> These particular ones, yes. Well, you're not being crayfish Um <laughs> oh. Are we are we just no. therefore the sum total of our parts as human beings?
3: Well, I'd say rather it's going the other way. It's seeing so many different variants in the things that make you up that we're much more than the sum of our parts. Uh, so, if you look at just something like the atoms in your body, I mean, it's quite interesting. Um, and in fact, uh, we can have fun, sort of saying, you know, uh, how, how much is, are the atoms in your body worth? If you, you sum it up, you're worth about a hundred pounds in terms of the actual uh, materials in your body. Uh, but Thank obviously, you. it's much more That's than that. That's good to know. <laughs> Uh, and it's, it's, I just really enjoyed building on the different things. I think part of it is, you know, you've got the things like the BBC programme, um, Who Do You Think You Are?, which is about family trees. And mm. that's my starting point is basically to say family trees are really boring way of saying where, who you are, where did you come from? There's so much more to look at.
0: Mm, yeah, okay. So I'm going to have to ask you about the whole um, COVID thing. Are you happy with the way it's been handled? Well, here in the UK, obviously.
3: Uh, well, I, I think I would basically say that like most people you know the, the vaccine rollout has been handled very well. there's been an awful lot of the stuff that hasn't. Um, it has been difficult. The science has been slow to evolve you know to start with nobody seemed to have noticed the fact that uh, you know washing your hands and all that stuff really isn't that as important as ventilation. Uh, it's mm. taken time. And of course, there's also lots of fun conspiracies about where it's come from. Did it really come from the lab in Wuhan, and all that? When you say conspiracy, when you say conspiracy, do you do you still
0: consider that to be a conspiracy?
3: I think there is a conspiracy to cover it up. Ah, Yes, that's interesting. I think it is increasingly looking like it did come from the lab.
0: It does, but not as a
3: probably not intentionally
0: yeah yeah that's my suspicion too but what do i know you know a lot more than i do uh and you've got this other website too popular Science co uk now this is just a fascinating website actually uh, i won't try and summarize it but it is it's one of those sites you you don't know, think oh, i'll just go to it for a minute or two and 15 minutes later you're still there but what do you do on this because it really is quite an interesting addictive site
3: yeah, it's primarily book reviews of popular science books and science fiction books. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I think it's the oldest, in fact, review site of that type on the web. So oh, I'm, wow. I'm up there with Litopia yeah. uh, as being one of the first. Um, <laughs> well, we don't, we don't review.
0: <laughs> we, don't, we, don't, we don't do reviews. we we'll leave that to you. But it is fascinating, actually. And I just... Yeah. I love that. I don't know why there aren't more in a way because, you know, you've got you've got the this whole great behemoth that is Amazon and all the reviews there. But actually curated stuff i get one or two newsletters from people and yeah. monthly and because I, I know them and i like them almost all the time i will buy one book on the list usually because it's personally yeah. you know recommended to me i like that and i just wonder if we're not missing a trick in, in terms of book sales um you know it's, it's personal recommendation that counts for so much hey, It always used to in the old days didn't yeah. it when when we had had books were physical things no, that's an aubergine. <laughs> but you know what I mean.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, there uh, Sorry. Uh, the <laughs> oh,
0: I tickled your fancy of my
3: aubergine.
0: <laughs> 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 oh, maybe you <we> should. No. <laughs> oh, well, and the whole thing just ends in chaos at that point. Fantastic. Yeah, Brian Clegg, thank you very much. Thank two uh, Two great websites to look at. Uh, let's look at our fourth submission of the day oh no it's going from bad to what probably even better it's a children's picture book i dread to think what the pictures are going to be like in this it's from damien and it's called my granddad picks his nose (laughs) it has got it's got to work for the kids hasn't it my granddad picks his nose 403 words is that relevant to nose picking i don't know um it's centers around it centers around a little boy or girl who notices that his her granddad is always picking his nose (laughs) yes i can i can see that now um but can't figure out where he puts them all it's fun engaging and a little gross no more than a little which i think works for this market thank you barbara right let me tell you about our author here uh, getting lots of uh, enthusiastic reactions already actually in the genius room but all as well uh, my name is Dar- uh, Damian Hunt I'm 39 years old and live in East Grinstead with my wife and two children Ethan six and Darcy four after hello Ethan and Darcy hope you hope you're watching after working as an actor for many years and now having moved into the world of marketing the theatre industry I've always found time to write while I was on tour about six years ago I found a particular passion and enjoyment for writing children's books. This is when I wrote my first book called Fireworks Night. Over the last six years I would text myself any ideas or titles that I came up with and then would look at them again and see where I could take that story. That's a, that's a good system actually, yeah, I'm not going to knock that, I totally, um, I totally get that so uh what we need is uh the second appearance today no less uh from our famous not to say infamous narrator miss barbara rickenbacker
5: my granddad picks his nose by damien hunt read by barbara he picks his nose when he's watching tv he picks his nose when he's cooking he picks his nose when he's driving he picks his nose when he's in the bath. He even picks his nose when he's asleep in his chair. I wonder where my granddad puts all his bogies. Does he flick them? Does he put them back in his nose? Does he put them in a special bogey box? Does he eat them? I wonder where my granddad puts all his bogies. Granddad, where do you put all your bogies? Follow me i followed granddad into the back of the house he takes a key from his pocket and opens a large cabinet i keep all my bogeys in here every year i enter the world bogey championship i have won for the last five years this year's final is tomorrow would you like to come with me oh yes please i said the next day we walked into a huge arena There were hundreds of people from all over the world showing off their bogeys, hoping to win a trophy. There were competitions for the hairiest bogey, the most colourful bogey, the biggest bogey and the bogey that most looked like an animal. Please, can everyone who is in the final of this year's Super Duper Bogey Championship make their way to the main stage? Let's go, Grandad said. Grandad and I stood on stage, ready to show the judges his bogey. Oh no! Oh no! Grandad said. I've dropped my bogey somewhere. You're going to have to enter instead of me. I can't. I don't have a bogey ready, I said. We're going to have to pull one out now. I put my finger in my nose and pushed and pulled until one popped out. Got it, I said. Great. Put it on the stand next to number six. The judges walked down the tables and looked at all the bogeys. After a few minutes, one of the judges said... The winner of this year's super-duper bogey championship is… Number 6. We won, Granddad! Congratulations! That bogey really is the biggest, hairiest, most colourful bogey I have ever seen. It even looks like a dinosaur. My trophy and winning bogey now live in Granddad's cupboard. I've also started to collect my own bogies for next year's competition. I can't wait. <laughs>
0: a predictably uh interesting reaction there from the genius room um 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 um, um. eva says love this and i'm a senior citizen not exactly target uh age group but you know i mean uh, second childhood probably um dick and tom and the shouting bogey game was super popular never heard of that but that's interesting not COVID suitable <laughs> says absolutely not uh annie yuck great for kids says ancora bogey championships has had a brilliant though yucky concept johnny says i guess there are pics. shame they can't i don't know if i want to see the pictures really kate you're our children's book specialist <laughs>
4: um well uh, the writing spot on for the age group is sort of read aloud isn't it? it's a read aloud picture book yeah um yeah it, in terms of gross i mean yeah i was sitting there going oh all the way through. <laughs> which is probably a sign that you know my my youngest son um will probably quite enjoy it <laughs> although it's a little bit old uh he's a little bit old for it and children in general do yeah y- you can be very gross and kids will think it's hilarious so um so i think you've got that right um the humor was quite funny there's some good funny moments um um, could have been even funnier, actually. I think could have pushed it even further. It could have been, actually. Yes, we, had, I, we
0: actually had the whole book, in fact, didn't we? 400 <laughs> words. It's not often <laughs> we get an book. did, yeah. But,
4: yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely don't want to see the pictures. Um, <laughs> um, the, I think the one thing I would say here, and by the way, great um, title. I mean, you know, that's what it says on the tin, and that's it's a good title, I think, for the age group as well. But, yeah, the only thing I would say that you've got to be a bit careful with here is that who buys the books and I think in terms of who's going to actually go out and buy these Mm -hmm. books and read them out are adults, parents and nursery teachers and preschool teachers and so on and I think it's going to be quite marmite for adults mm. because, you know, I think personally, I'll be a bit like, oh, I just feel a bit squeamish about reading. This, this is going to make me feel a bit, well, kids probably love it, yeah. but I'm not sure I want to have to read it. And I think you'll get quite a few people who feel the same way. But you will get to have others like Eva in the genius room who, mm. who are clearly going to go along for the ride and have no problem with it. So yeah. that, that's the sort of one area in commercial terms you've got to think of. But I think I think you've got it bang on pr- pretty much every other way to be Maybe. uh,
0: Nathan on youtube just echoes your point there actually that it is in fact adults who who buy the books so yeah exactly yeah Yeah. uh, you
4: you can you can you can really up the gross factor as soon as you're writing books for children that are reading to themselves as soon as you get into the chapter book territory and emerging readers very good point. so therefore you've got things like captain underpants um excuse me which is very popular because kids read that to themselves. Yeah. So that, that's fine then. Um, in fact, um, I think we've got a guest coming on in a... Maybe even next week, actually, who writes in this sort of gross humour area. But you've to be careful.
6: Yeah. Excuse yeah, me, I'm going to
4: go Mute me. All right, I, mean,
0: yeah, I will, yes. Yeah, so let's have a look at the, um, the um, <laughs> scorecard. At the moment, we'll go straight to, to Brian. So I think... Ooh, look, a monstrous reaction there to the title soaring ahead actually but we haven't spoken to Brian yet. Let's see what Brian thinks.
3: Uh, yeah I love the title too. Uh, actually, I literally wrote down what Kate said I said children may like it well <laughs> but I'm not sure I would have wanted to read it to my kids. Uh, mm. So absolutely yeah. on that one, you'll notice I've been very heavy on the blurb. I hated the blurb. I, mm. Frankly, just because it was so badly written. Yeah. You really. know, there was the, it's centers, it apostrophe "s", I His stroke her. Nobody wants his stroke her. You know, make your mind up. Who's it going to be? Um, and, He says where he puts them all, but he never says what they are in the blurb. You you haven't even got the bogeys in the blurb. So, you know, I I really didn't like the blurb. Uh, I think in the end it's going to be made or broken by the illustrations. I think that's going to be really difficult to illustrate and not be something where the illustrations put you off, uh, you know, finding a way of doing it well. It, you know, you, you do not want an amateur artist doing this. It, it, seriously, it would have to be, no, I'm not joking, it would have to be really well illustrated. Uh, I think that is really going to make it uh, I break it. I almost felt in places as it started. It almost felt a bit like poetry, sort of Doctor Seuss type of stuff. Yeah, and, um, you know, yeah. Doctor Seuss meets the bogey. Um, like, uh, and you know, I was quite enjoying that. Uh, again, a bit like the previous one, I felt it, it felt it faded away a little in the competition. It was a bit yeah. too sudden. You know, hey. We've done the competition, we've won. The, yeah. I wanted something in between a little bit of suspense, a little bit of challenge yeah. in there, if possible. I know it's the small kids, but you can still have something in the way. Rather no, than just I, I agree. But, I th- th-
0: yeah, I totally agree, actually. there There is a bit missing there, but basically I think the concept is, is strong. Um, hmm. And I would be amazed oh. if it doesn't get published, actually. Um, let's just see so we've sort of inexorably lowered the literary tone now of pop-ups um i don't think we're going to recover today actually uh i will not eat them on a train says sm good right <laughs> thanks for sharing uh i don't want to see the pictures says hannah they will all actually sorry when take... you
3: mentioned pop-ups this yeah. perhaps there should be a pop-up book actually i quite <laughs> like the idea of pop-up bogeys <laughs>
0: no 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 I'm not paying for snot, says Katie (laughs) Allen. Uh, (laughs) Fungus of Bogeyman was enough. All right, so let's see how things are looking comparatively speaking now before our final submission of the day. And, yes, uh, we've got two joint winners there. How about that? 64 and 64. Jane and Damien. Um, and interestingly, uh, Damien uh, is currently winning for the title and for the commercial potential. But Jane is winning for the blurb and for the craft. So I'd say it's all to play for for our final submission of the day. And here it is. It's from Biagio. It's science fiction. That's right up Brian Street. You might, uh, you might be in with a winner here, Biagio. It's called The Edge of Oblivion. And this is the blurb. The world is in turmoil trying to adjust to the strange phenomena causing everybody to sleep at the same time through it all cassie seeks to understand her role in the events and the extraordinary things happening to her but the truth is more terrifying than she or anybody else could have imagined and the fate of humanity depends on her understanding how and more importantly why it's happening Let me tell everybody about you. Um, I do not have any prior creative writing experience, says Biagio. This is my first novel. Uh, But I've always enjoyed reading. That's a good start. Very good. Uh, And I've always been drawn to beautiful stories, beautifully written. I thoroughly enjoyed writing this story and have no doubt that I will write many more. Good. I'm married with young twin daughters. I work part-time as a project management consultant alongside doing the school run and my other fatherly duties. Um so why don't we get our half man half genius and all baritone
6: Lex to read it? The Edge of Oblivion by Biagio Arancio, read by Lex. Chapter 1. That tragic night. The world changed forever on that tragic night and Cassiopeia was the only one who felt it coming. Standing at the Imperial College window, One hand pressed flat against it whilst the other clutched her pendant. She watched the world beyond the ghost in the glass. Hypnotized by the restless trees and the rain, slanting like needles in the sky, she couldn't quite make herself turn back to the laboratory behind. Much later, she would think back to that evening and wonder whether fate had been screaming a warning. Had she read The Anger of the Wind or translated The Frenzied Toiling of the Clouds as they squirmed in the sky, would she have known what was coming? Were there whispers in the thunder or riding in the lightning that might have hinted at the dark days on the horizon? When Cassie finally managed to pull herself from the window and left the college, the night had turned from gray to black. Her boots cut through the newly formed urban streams as she stepped outside and the exit shut behind her with the finality of a guillotine's blade. Looking for the light of an unoccupied taxi among the glare of headlights, her head roved up and down the road. Cars weaved left and right, avoiding the puddles peppering the tarmac. Her hand twitched as she spotted one, but she paused and made no move as she watched it pass and disappear into the blur of vehicles beyond. Instead, she zipped up her red back, pulled up the hood, and lowered her head as she started her walk. The roads and buildings passed unnoticed as she glided along, as though a travelator snaked through London, taking her home. Her thoughts wandered to Raphael, working another night shift at the hospital, his third in a row, as water dripped from the tip of her nose. Slowing to a stop, She realized the streets were empty of other night-time walkers. As the cold evening pressed in on her legs, wet trousers clinging stubbornly to skin, there was a growing sense of being watched. About to find her phone, to call Raphael, her hand froze as a scream cut through the wind and rain, piercing her heart. Her hand whipped around to the recesses of the side street behind. Squinting into the shadows, eyes struggling to forget the orange glow of the streetlights, each beat of her heart was louder than the last. At the boundary where the light from the busy road met the darkness of the side street, her eyes adjusted around movement, a lady being dragged into the shadows by two men, one of their hands clamped across her mouth. There was terror in those eyes before they were swallowed by the night. Time recoiled from that apparition, and everything slowed. The sounds of traffic stretched to nothing, even as the drops of rain suspended in the air faded to black. The stillness in between each beat of her heart grew until that too stopped. She was blind, cocooned in a memory. Yet in that void there was breathing. It was coming closer, the chill of its rancid warmth on her neck strengthening with each exhale, the fine hairs on her skin yielding to its malicious promise. A hand, rough and stiff, suddenly on her mouth, iron fingers trying to pierce her cheeks, stopping the scream before it could form. Then in that lightless ruin there were his words, through the reek of tobacco and baleful rapture, whispered into her ear. I'm having you. The world reappeared in a blink, noise and light rushing into the void, filling it once more with the present. A viscous sheen of sweat prickled her forehead, thicker than the rain trickling from her hair. Help. Her mouth formed the word, but no sound arrived. Her head swung one way and the other, trying to voice the plea to share the burden of responsibility so suddenly thrust upon her. Help! Coarse, but finally audible. The volume grew with each repeat towards an elongated crescendo. Somebody help. But there was nobody around.
0: Uh-oh. It's one of those situations. Uh, Johnny likes atmosphere, and he's great. <laughs> oh, okay, love the voice. And Cora, lovely writing. I'd read on great reading too, Lex. And uh, I had roped up and down the road, where the independent body part trap. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. It kind of spoils the... Uh, the uh, setting doesn't sometimes very kinesthetic says sm uh okay enjoying this writing the most tonight the most hollywood voice says barbara eva writing is good what do you think kate uh
4: i thought the writing was beautiful um to start with well in fact it was beautiful throughout but there were so many adjectives and, and so many sort of lyrical descriptions that actually started to get a bit lost <laughs> with yeah. what was going on. So what I would say was, yes, the writing is gorgeous, but you, you need to say a bit more with fewer words. You need to just be a little bit um, tough with the old editing pen. of are yeah. so many gorgeous words, um, mm. although not always quite. Like, for example, we had puddles peppered which is sort of quite a nice alliteration of stuff, but I wouldn't say puddles pepper a road because that sounds like a dry thing. Small thing, but little things like this. Puddle, maybe stippled would be a better word, for example. But Hmm. to be honest, it's a little bit overwritten. B- but mm. very beautiful, so just need to rein that in a little bit more, I would say, because the problem is you you get a bit lost in terms of following the narrative, following the story, and also, I, w- I was getting very sort of caught up by all this um, flowing description, such that I really had very little sense of the protagonist, really, the detail right. about Raphael working late, that was quite nice, and I kind of felt like I wanted a bit more of that, you know, a bit more <laughs> about the protagonist's personal life, a little bit of her mm. inner... Um, um, journey, if you like. Um, before mm. suddenly, we're. I, I like that we got on the action quickly, but we did need to look, get inside her head a bit more. Something that kind of makes her a bit less generic as a character. So it's something that we can cling on to. Um, in terms of the other um, aspects of what we're marking. Um, I liked the title, thought the title was good. Um the blurb was just a bit too generic. I, f- I felt we, we could have done with a little bit more detail. what What is it about this that's different from other kind of fantasy. Novels, you know, it was yeah. very sort of broad. Well, the, you know, I mean, I think the, we the, the big, big idea. Bit more to
0: this, that's the thing that I was talking about. The big idea is the sleep, the sleep. Now, mm, that's good. I mean, I, it is good. I mean, I, but has, has it been done before? Does anyone know? Do you know? Maybe the genius room. I mean, surely it, it, um, it's such a big idea. I must yeah.
3: I've just read, in fact, a book by a former oh. Um in which the main theme is the majority of the population being asleep most of the time uh, admittedly oh, Jamie do Mart, wake up isn't it? Jamie, it is, isn't it? It yeah. they do yeah. they wake up occasionally uh, but interestingly with that the by far the most interesting character is somebody who's awake all the time yeah uh, where most people aren't that, yeah. that character shines through when they're the one that's awake so uh, I think this it sounds different enough because that's an intentional thing in Jamie's book that's been done for some obscure reason to, uh, to avoid using resources and stuff um, yeah. and this sounds like it's not but certainly you have to, you have to be careful with, with science fiction that you're not treading too far down an the existing theme
0: yeah what do we think I'll about read it. um the uh one or two people have said overwritten i think guess that's pretty much what you were saying kate that it's really hard actually isn't it as a writer to because you know you you go over it and you go over and you go over it again and you just add little bits and pieces here and you think you're you're doing great things and then someone says that's overwritten. You go, oh, what, do you what do you
4: mean? We, we love words, don't we? We love words. And this this writer particularly, you could feel that, that love of words coming through. Yeah. And when you love words, you just want to put loads in and there were some really nice rhythms to it and there was alliteration, which was great. But when you're telling a story and you need to hook people on those first couple of pages, I think the problem with loving the words and trying to include them all is that you can then get in the way of the other aspects that are important to interest people, which is the character. How vividly are you presenting the character? And, you know, where's where's the story going? What's the hook?
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Baleful rapture kind of stuck in my craw a little bit there. Baleful rapture—I can't imagine what that is really. Um, just looks. Uh, any, anything uh, further to say on this, Brian? While we look at your, your scoring. Oh, oh, you think it's well, got s- lots of commercial potential here, don't you?
3: I—I I, I like the yeah. the feel of it very yeah. much. Uh, I absolutely agree about the the other writing. I, I, I put the writing's trying too hard. That it, it's just doing too much. Uh, when I, you know, it does need pairing back, definitely. I would mm. absolutely agree with Kate on that. Um, I felt that you know, the, the title actually to me sounded a bit generic as a title. I've seen lots of titles like that. In fact, there may even be a, uh, a 1950s book that has a very similar title. I've this yeah, feeling. Um, so I, I think the title could do with a little bit of work, uh, but yeah, I, I, I just You know, I I like the atmosphere of it. I I again agree with Kate that I I would like to have felt a little bit more of the character. In fact, originally, Hmm. the first few lines, I thought it was going to be young adult science fiction, the way it felt, the way the character's internal. Uh, uh, monologue was going, uh, but then it seemed as it went, it was getting more adult. So I wasn't totally sure. I was in a young adult book, an adult book by the time it got to the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. So thinking a little bit more about that character, filling in a bit about that, you know, her background mentally for the writer to then make it come through in that those first few pages, I think, would really helpful
0: fair enough that's great um okay so now we uh hopefully everyone's pressed their voting buttons and the vote you know so i have to explain the vote goes up and down too sometimes That's not people changing their vote necessarily what happens is the there's just more people vote in the chat room and if you get more people voting later who vote lower then obviously the average number is going to drop uh proportionately so thank you brian thank you kate we now finally are going to see uh, how it's, how it's all crumbled today. How that cookie has actually crumbled. It's, it's ludicrously close, actually. Ludicrously close today. Very, t- very, very good submissions. Very tightly bunched. Uh, from the bottom upwards, and it's so tight, it's, it's unfair to say bottom. Brittle. It's Alan with the corner game, 56. And then we've got... I've got John D, fifty-seven, All Queens Monsters, and then just over sixty, we've got what well, we've just finally seen, Biagio, Edge of Oblivion. Your first, your first piece of work, Biagio, not bad, mate. Um, I'd say you've got an interesting future there. And then we've got sixty-three, The Timekeepers, but just edging it. Oh my word, just edging it <laughs> is. Yeah, it is. can't get away from it today my granddad picks his nose it's been that sort of show full of full of buggers and boogers and that means the you damien (laughs) well there we are never thought we'd uh, we'd have a show winner with a title like that but we do and we're proud of it and who knows um you might possibly be it's good it's good score you might possibly be our monthly winner in which case it's quite likely that bigger and better things will be in store for you and your 403 words as they exist at the moment uh that's I could go on all day, but we've got to stop now because we've done our five submissions. We will be back next Sunday. Um, before that, I just want to say thank you so much to everyone behind the scenes who makes pop-ups possible. Wouldn't You know who you are. It would not be possible, without lots and lots of hard work from the whole team. But most of all, I don't always say this, but I ought to, really, every day, every every Sunday. Thank you, writers, for doing what you do. It's really not an easy job it's not an easy vocation it's not very much appreciated actually outside of the very narrow publishing industry that we work in but you know what what would the world be like without writers not really worth living in at all so thank you for doing what you do thank you for sending in your manuscripts to pop-up submissions and guys we'll see you same time next week